We finally made our way into Idaho on this road trip of scary stories we're doing. A place known for its famous potatoes and also its famous cryptid and paranormal stories. Welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories sent in by viewers just like you from the great state of Idaho. Or, well, if you even want to call it a state. Just kidding, just kidding. Anyways, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story no matter where it's from. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true Idaho horror stories that'll keep you out of the potato state tonight. Nobody has believed me when I told them this story, but I swear to God it was true. I was in my front yard in Idaho one summer night, smoking a cigarette all by myself. There's a warehouse-style aluminum building that resales used construction materials and has an odd collection of all sorts of windows, bathtubs, barbecues, trusses, and other things in the yard out back. I heard some strange noises that sounded like someone banging something against the building or knocking hard. The building is backed up to the bottom of a mountain. The mountain range goes on for probably a couple of hundred miles to the east, with only one sparse town about 40 miles from my house. The rest is just desert, a giant expanse of empty desert. I have heard these noises a lot over by this building throughout the years. I always assumed the noise must be made by a human, but this scenario has always seemed very unlikely to me as there are no homeless people in my town and no one lives in that direction as it is an industrial park. Now that doesn't mean people aren't snooping around. What the noise is, is something banging on the building or knocking on it in quick succession. There is no animal I know of that would be able to bang on the building that hard and for no reason. Why would they be doing this at midnight or 1am? Sometimes I get so frightened when I hear this noise and just go back inside. But for whatever reason, on this night in particular, I had it. I had enough of it. I was ready to go see what this was. I wanted to know what this was. So I manned up and decided to go investigate. I got over there and had the feeling I was being watched, but kept heading around the back of the building to see if I could hear anything else. Now at this point, I got hit from behind by a spotlight and went, Oh great. Somebody reported me, and now I'm going to have to explain myself to the police. I turned around fully ready to tell the cop that I had heard something breaking into the building, but there was nothing there. No cop, no source of light, absolutely nothing. I fully saw the spotlight hit me and saw my shadow on the building in front of me. I couldn't identify where it had come from, but at this point, I had an awful feeling of dread and started back across the street toward my house. As I was getting close to the street, I saw what looked like a small dog with shaggy hair. The hair was so long it seemed to be covering its eyes. It was so late, I figured it was lost and I thought I could go over and check his tag and bring him home. The strange thing was, it was getting up and looking into the windows of an engineering firm. I have never seen a dog set up on its hind legs and looking into windows like this, but I figured it's probably hungry and looking for food or something. I came very close to it without making a sound because I did not want to make it run off. 
I knew. It must need help. Well, I got to just a few feet away from this dog before it heard me. It turned and looked at me, and I swear it had one big eye where its nose should be. I was shocked, to say the least. It almost looked like a totally white skunk with long shaggy hair, with one big eye right where its nose should be. It went running, but my hunter instinct kicked in, and I jumped in front of it and went to grab it. I know, this was probably foolish, but at the time I wanted to capture it or else no one would believe me. It went running the other way, but I cut it off again. I went to grab it, but at this point, it stood up on its hind legs and let out the most terrifying cat-like hissing noise I've ever heard. At this point, my rational mind kicked in and went, if this thing bites me or attacks me, who knows what might happen. I froze and watched it run off across the pavements and field and didn't make a single noise as it ran. I stood there trying to understand what I had just seen and encountered, and still to this day I have no idea what it could have been. Along with the spotlight that hit me from the same direction, and its strange behavior looking in the windows of that engineering firm, I'm still to this day utterly confused on what the hell it was. I have never heard of another cryptid that matches this description. Hi, I'm a longtime listener to The Swamp. My name is David, and I do security at a mall in eastern Idaho. Now, I have been told it's haunted, and I'll say I've experienced my fair share of paranormal things in my life. I've had several, just at this mall alone, and I wanted to share one for now, and maybe I'll share more in the future. A little background on me. I have done security for over 13 years, and I've seen some of the worst in people. I have also done the martial arts for about 29 years, so not scared of much, honestly, and I have a deep set of faith. I'm a Christian and have the gift of discernment, and I'm empathetic. I can also feel and see the spiritual world around me. But enough about me. I was on a patrol outside my mall one night. I work graveyard shift. I saw I needed to refill my water bottle to stay hydrated. As I pulled up to the mall doors near our security office, I noticed the shape of a figure inside, about as tall as a young teen. I hurried inside thinking, great, someone got in or hid and I did not see them. After entering, I listened and quickly dropped off my water bottle in my office and relocked the door. I went into the mall silent, listening to the dark and waiting to see or hear anything to indicate the presence of a person. I searched the mall occasionally, hearing footsteps and then laughter. I looked in every such place and never could find anybody hiding. There were no teens, no doors opening, and no alarms going off. Nothing was caught on the security footage either. After clearing the mall and getting more water, I went back out to my security vehicle. I didn't see anything until I sat in the driver's seat and looked out my rearview mirror. I saw what looked like a group of teens in all black, with black eyes and one smiled with a creepy, like, I'm going to get you type smile. I whipped the car around to shine the light on the intruders, not more than 15 feet from me, and they were just gone. There was no way they could run or hide fast enough for me not to see them. I looked nearby and there was nothing. When the morning came, there were no more sightings, but at night, I could still hear the laughter at times when I was checking the exterior doors. I don't really know how to explain this one, it's just one of those strange and creepy paranormal things that go on sometimes.
I'm 34 years old now, and when this happened, I lived in Plummer, Idaho. I had just discovered with the help of the internet why I could see things nobody else could or didn't want to see. And sometimes I would dream about things that were going to happen, like the time my sister cut her knee open really good on a nail in the floor. In this case, I think I was 12 when this happened. I had just finished a shower and getting dressed when I decided to do some late night homework in my upstairs bedroom before the weekend got going, since I couldn't sleep anyway. I opened my window since it was a nice, warm, comfortable breeze, and I guess I had been sitting on my bed for a while since I started around, I think, 7 or 8, and it was now almost midnight. Suddenly, I heard something on the roof. Before I forget to add this, we also had two big spruce trees in our backyard, and since it was a bit windy that night, I naturally thought it was maybe pine cones landing on the roof. Oh, how wrong I was. I wanted to go outside and get some fresh air, so I went out to my back porch. And I didn't feel like there was anybody out there. I didn't see anything on the fence, nothing in the grass. But then I heard it, scratching, like a cat running on the roof after a bird. Looking up, I saw something by the chimney before it crawled down to the other side to hide. I ran for the back door quickly and quietly and closed it and locked all the locks, and then I ran upstairs to my room. Surprisingly, I forgot all about my window that was open and sat back down and got back to working on my homework. Slowly, I hear a tapping sound. Looking up, I saw one long finger tapping on the window. As I walked over to it, I heard scratching again, and it was like it was trying to hide. I had just closed it when the face of a girl appeared on the other side. Can I please come in? I'm cold. No, I don't know you and my dad will get upset. Please? No. And as if I had thrown water on her, she changed into this thing with a pale, loose-fitting-like skin that seemed to be kind of hanging on its bones. It almost looked like a wet blanket over a hanger. This thing had long, thin arms and eyes that looked endless. They were like black pools of nothingness. In the end, after a few minutes of staring, it screeched like a screech owl, opening its mouth so big I swear I thought it was going to break its jaw. And then, as if it had no problem, it jumped off the roof and ran across the field into the street. At that point, I decided that was enough, so I put my books away, covered up, and went to sleep. The next morning before I could tell my dad what happened, he was asking why I was up on the roof last night, and I explained to him, that I was definitely not on the roof. I don't know what this thing was. This happened in 1990. First of all, it looked like a little girl asking to come inside, and when I said no, it changed into some weird creature screaming. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it to anybody, but if anybody listening to this might have an idea, I'd definitely love to know in the comments. When I was in my early 30s, I was living in the small town of Payette, Idaho. I went to a lot of parties and threw a lot of parties myself. This story takes place after one party I had thrown at my house. Justin, a friend of mine, had brought a guy over to my house and asked if he could stay with me. This guy was tall and thin but muscular. He had prison tattoos on his arms and hands and a crazy look in his eyes. That's what scared me the most. I didn't really want him there, but agreed to let him stay in my laundry room for a little while. But a little while turned into a little while longer. I think he was there for about two and a half weeks. 
One day I confronted Justin about the guy, and how about he scared me. Justin confessed that the guy had just gotten out of prison for murder. I was livid that he decided to pawn this guy off on me. While he was in my house, he was doing meth and all kinds of crazy stuff. I could hardly sleep. I was so scared and nervous. One day he approached me saying he needed a ride to an Indian reservation in California. He was very pushy, so I agreed. I had planned on driving him to Ontario, Oregon, which is about 15 minutes away from Payette, and leaving him at the truck stop, but he was adamant about not stopping. On the drive, I kept noticing the guy reaching under his seat, over and over. Eventually, I was able to get a glance at what he was reaching for. It was a big framing hammer. At this point, I realized how serious this was. As we are leaving Ontario, he tells me he must take a leak and let's pull over on this dirt road. I was positive that if I pulled off, he was going to beat my head in with a hammer. So I refused. I told him I knew a better place to go. The guy was very frustrated that I wouldn't pull over. We found the store in John Day, Oregon, which was about two hours from home. But when he got out of the car to go inside, he took my keys. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't. When he came back out, he started bragging about the stuff he stole. He had some snacks, a drink, and a pocket knife that he was showing off. After a while, in a small town of Lakeview, Oregon, we had to stop at a church to get some gas vouchers, as we didn't have any money, and my car was low on gas. But to get the voucher valid, we had to go to the police station. He wanted to get the gas voucher in my name, but I refused. So we had to do it in his name. Once again, as we walked in, he took my keys. But shortly after they checked his ID, it turned out he had a warrant for his arrest. As soon as I got my keys back, I got the heck out of there as fast as I could. Outside of Lakeview, there's a small town called Cedarville, California, where luckily I had friends. I was only able to find one of them when I visited him at work. I talked to my friend Tim and explained my situation. He was able to get me enough money to get home, and thinking back on it, I realized how lucky I am to be alive. If I would have pulled off on that road, I most likely would have been dead. I know that you wanted to kill me and take my car. I'm thankful that I'm still alive and forever grateful that I had some sense not to pull over. I'm a 23-year-old woman who grew up in a small town in Idaho. My story takes place a few years ago. The county fair was a real big deal in my area. They would put on big events and shows and bring in some fun rides and attractions. It was one of the few times we had excitement in our quiet little area. I remember I used to love attending the demolition derby and hypnotist show at the county fair every single year. My cousins Jennifer and Kristen would go with me, and this particular year was no exception. We planned to meet up at the fairgrounds around 1pm to get good seats for the hypnotist show at Saturday. We would also have some fun at the fair until the demolition derby that night. I couldn't drive yet at the time, so I arranged for my dad to drop me off at the fairgrounds and pick me up later that night. He agreed and dropped me off at the fairgrounds an hour early. I decided to kill the time by wandering around to the art display. It was in a small barn-like building toward the front of the fairgrounds, so there I was admiring all of the paintings, drawings, and photography that had been around. I started to get the strange feeling like I was being watched, though. I looked around and noticed, very quickly, a man standing not far from me. I remember thinking he was dressed strangely for the sunny 90-degree weather that we were having. 
He wore a black hoodie, black denim pants, and black shoes. He also had a painful-looking burn-like sore on his lip. I couldn't tell if he was staring at me or not because he had sunglasses on, but he smiled when I looked at him. He just stood there smiling at me until I waved politely and turned to leave. Just as I was beginning to move, the man walked toward me. Hello, my name is Jeremy, he spoke quickly, and his movements were jerky as he kept reaching out his hand to shake mine. What's your name? Getting a weird vibe, but deciding he was probably harmless, I decided to try and be nice. Hello Jeremy, my name is Chloe, I said with a polite smile. I noticed more burn-like sores on his palm as he reached out to shake my hand, which did gross me out a little bit. It's nice to meet you. The man named Jeremy walked away without a word after that. I shrugged off the experience and checked the time. Seeing as I was supposed to meet my cousin in about 15 minutes, I decided to go wait in the spot where we were supposed to meet. As I left the building, I saw Jeremy standing by the door texting on his phone. I was a bit of an awkward teenager, so I pretended not to notice him as I walked past him into the grounds. Just a few steps behind me, Jeremy started walking in the same direction. After a while, I started feeling a bit awkward with him walking so closely behind me, so I decided to stop and let him pass. I turned to enter a booth selling jewelry and pretended to admire its wares, but Jeremy stopped walking too. He leaned against a food cart not far from me where I was and started texting again. I waited in the jewelry booth for what seemed like 10 minutes or more, and he still had not left. I decided to just leave, and just as I left the booth, Jeremy moved again right behind me. Hello, my name is Jeremy, he said again, reaching out to shake my hand. What is your name? I was so confused. He couldn't have forgotten that he had already introduced himself to me. It was literally 10 minutes ago. I thought maybe he might be joking, so I let out an awkward, Hello, Jeremy. It's nice to meet you again, I joked. My name is still Chloe. Jeremy seemed to miss my humor and continued talking. Talking more... Interesting things, like, Chloe is a pretty name. Are you from around here? How old are you? Don't judge me for being so dumb. I was from a small, trusting community, but I gave him the honest answer to his questions, despite getting a really weird vibe from the guy. Thank you. I smiled. I'm 16, and yeah, I'm from the town just south of here. Just like before, once I answered his questions, Jeremy seemed to catch interest in something else and walked away without a word. I checked the time and noticed that I was now running late to meet Kristen and Jennifer. I made the rest of the way to where I was supposed to meet them without interruption. I told my cousins about what happened while I waited for them, and they also thought it was a little weird. We laughed it off and found our seats. The hypnotist show started, and we enjoyed the beginning, but it wasn't long before I started getting that feeling like I was being watched again. After a quick scan through the audience, I saw something I found disturbing. Jeremy. The guy from earlier was now sitting a few rows behind us. He smiled and waved at me as soon as I recognized him. I noticed he was not alone this time. He was sitting with three other men, all dressed in black hoodies and sunglasses. I decided not to wave back, thinking he might have a crush I did not want to lead him on. I could tell they were watching us through the whole show. Kristen and Jennifer did too, and it made it hard for us to enjoy the humorous antics of the hypnotist. We decided to leave before the show was over and leave the fair for a while, hoping that the creepy men in the black hoodies wouldn't be there when we returned. We left for about an hour and a half to get lunch and spend some time at their house. At this time, we decided that it might be safe to return to the fair. 
We walked back, and just as we walked through the gates of the fairgrounds, the same group of men in black hoodies approached us again. Jeremy walked straight up to me and said, Hello, my name is Jeremy. Again reaching out to shake my hand. What is your name? My stomach was in knots. This just was not normal. I did not shake his hand this time, wanting to get away from them quickly. Hello, Jeremy. My name is Chloe, I said quickly as I walked past him, still trying to be at least polite. I still said nothing more and walked right past him into the crowd, not looking back. It would be hours before I saw Jeremy again. We wandered the fair pretty much without interruption for the remainder of our wait, and we went to the demolition derby at around 6 that night. We talked amongst ourselves and decided if we ran into Jeremy again, my cousin would pick up her phone and pretend I had a phone call from my dad, thus letting him know I was not alone even if we get separated. We agreed, and as the show ended, we still had not seen him. We wandered around the games and rode a few rides. It was dark and nearing the time I was supposed to meet my dad. My cousin got a call from my dad on the phone. He instructed me to meet him at a restaurant a short walk away from the fairgrounds in a half an hour and I agreed. Just as my cousins and I exited our last ride, I was once again approached by Jeremy. Alone this time, he walked right up to me and once again reached out to me to shake his hand. Hello, I'm Jeremy. He said with a smile that split some of the sores around his mouth. What is your name? I was sick of this guy, and I decided to give him a fake information this time. Hello, Jeremy, my name is Hannah, I said, looking to my cousin to cue her fake phone call. Jeremy simply shook his head. It isn't nice to lie, Chloe, he said before walking away. The three of us got chills after that encounter. I told my cousins I was tired and wanted to go home. They agreed and offered to walk with me to meet my dad. They had a curfew of their own, and I didn't want them to be late. And besides, it wasn't a far walk, so I declined their offer. We parted with hugs, and I promised I would call them to confirm that I made it home safely. I then exited the fairgrounds and walked through the town to meet my dad. Not far away from the grounds, I noticed I wasn't alone. There was a tall man in a black hoodie following me. My heart skipped a beat because I recognized him as one of the men Jeremy had been with earlier. I quickened my pace, pretending not to notice him, when I saw half a block down the road was even more disturbing. Another one of the three men with Jeremy was standing by a sod walk ahead of me. I was getting really alarmed, so I crossed the street and walked on the other side. The two men in hoodies kept up pace with me on the other side of the street, and I heard one of them make a whistling noise, though neither of them said anything. I was nearing the post office when Jeremy came into my vision, at the end of the sidewalk in front of me. I was really starting to get scared. What were they doing out here? The place I was supposed to meet my dad was still far away, and I didn't really want to be on this street alone anymore. So I quickly ducked into the post office. They were about to close, but there was a man and his son leaving. I quickly explained what was going on and asked them if they could walk with me. I hoped seeing that I wasn't alone would scare the stalkers into leaving me alone. They agreed and I walked out with them, but Jeremy and his gang were nowhere to be seen. The friendly people I met at the post office walked me all the way to the restaurant where I met my dad and told him the whole thing. My dad called the police and I explained again what had happened. The report was filed, but Jeremy and his friends in the Black Hoods were never found. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from Idaho. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that really helps the swamp grow. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? 
Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share from your state, or just something different in general, be sure to submit your scary story at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that really help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating over there as it really helps me grow. And if you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller Scary Stories no matter where you are, absolutely free, you can download them from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free to do so, and always will be. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and checking out the podcast, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you guys for always supporting the Swamp, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy episode.